to the Create Your Pathway podcast. I'm Rory Tyer, I'm your host, and I interview real people in real jobs so you can know what they're really like. In this episode, we're talking to retired Colonel Samantha Weeks, who until recently was in charge of Columbus Air Force Base, and she spent her career as a fighter pilot in the United States Air Force. And today we're in the Law, Public Safety, Corrections, and Security pathway. This field covers anything and everything to do with defense, security, our justice system, our prison system, the military, law, and a lot of different careers that support those, some of which are in government and some of which are not. Samantha's story is really cool in that it was in her lifetime that the US actually changed the law to allow women to become fighter pilots. Becoming a fighter pilot is difficult and Samantha worked really hard. You're gonna hear some really cool things in her story. We're gonna learn a lot about what it looks like to be in the military. Let's turn down to my conversation with Samantha. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm excited to hear about your background. I, you're retired now, but tell us like what your title was and what that looked like maybe uh, day to day on the job, so to speak. Yeah, so I just retired less than two weeks ago. So I Oh my goodness, I did not realize it was so (laughs) soon. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. So I really still live my old life and have that in my head (laughs) as to what I do and I'm trying to find a new normal. Wow. So For the last 23 years, I've been a fighter pilot. Uh, In the last two years, I was in charge of Columbus Air Force Base in Columbus, Mississippi, and got to connect with uh, CREATE for the last two years. So this is near and dear. My typical day involved waking up at about 5.30 in the morning. Not because of the military job, but because I have a two and a four-year-old that for some reason love to get up when the sun gets up. Uh Uh-huh. So for the first two hours of my morning, it was really spent being a mom um, with them, which was awesome. I would drop them off at the child care center on base at about 730 and show up to my office at 8 a.m. I would do a few meetings uh, throughout the day, but I'd work from eight to five. And on the really fun days for me, I got to go be a fighter pilot still. And that would entail sitting down with a student who was 22 years old in teaching them to fly the T-38C Talon, almost the same plane that I learned on 23 years ago. Uh, and we'd go out to the airspace uh, over Tupelo and we would just learn how to fly an aircraft that goes 350 to 450 miles per hour and learn how to operate in that environment so that we could train these future fighter and bomber pilots to be part of the world's greatest air force. And what was your like rank and title uh, upon retirement? So I was Colonel Samantha Combo Weeks, and my job title was Commander of the 14th Flying Training Wing. Let's cast our minds back now to when you first got into the military. What motivated your decision? How did you choose that as your career path? So my story is a little bit unique because I was six years old when I decided what I wanted to be when I grew up. Okay. Uh, And not many kids can say that when they said, hey, I want to be a fireman or a doctor or a mechanic, that they actually Mm -hmm. stuck to it. But my father was in the Air Force and he was enlisted. He retired as a master sergeant and we were stationed in the United Kingdom. Okay. So I grew up in East Anglia, England, and we were flying home one time at about six years old on a KC-135, which is a military aircraft that gives gas across the ocean to other aircraft in the sky. Hmm. So kind of like a gas station up in the sky. And the coolest place to be in that plane is in what is called the boom, which is where the enlisted person actually gives gas to the other aircraft. 
And that day we refueled some fighters over the Atlantic Ocean. And I was staring at that pilot a mere 10 to 15 feet away, just in awe of watching this seeing icebergs below me. Hmm. And I got kicked out after two because I had to let my sister watch two. We're two years apart. We don't always share well. Um, and so I went up to my dad and I said, I want to do that when I grow up. Hmm. And he asked me, do what? Be the boomer? And I said, no, I want to be that pilot. Yep. And he literally patted me on the back and said, girls, don't do that. Because it was 1981 <laughs> uh -huh. and women were not allowed to fly fighter aircraft. Hmm. And that is probably like it was cool to watch and see. But for me, somebody telling me no, yeah, just watch me. Uh -huh. And so from that point forward, I decided I wanted to do that when I grew up. And it might have been a passion or it might have been that somebody told me no, but that was my driving force. What year did that change that women were allowed to be fighter pilots? So again, uh, it's kind of kismet to my world. 1993 was when Congress lifted the ban and allowed women to fly fighter aircraft in the United States military. Happened to be the same year that I graduated from high school okay. and the same year that I entered the United States Air Force Academy. So for wow. me, dream, determination, dedication, but also luck and timing um, because I was at the right place at the right time to continue to strive toward my dream and make it a reality. Yeah. And when you enter an academy like that, it's not necessarily guaranteed that you're going to end up f flying planes because there's a lot of things you can do in the Air Force, just as there's a ton of things you can do in the different branch. Like I, one of my in the different branches, of the armed forces, like one of my best friends actually plays bass for the Army band. He's stationed up north yeah. of Nashville. So he's got a full time career playing music, which is something he's always wanted. But he does it in the Army, which I was like, I didn't even know. So anyways, it's not guaranteed you'd be a fighter pilot. Like, no. but that's something you stuck with. You know, was there a moment where you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to be able to happen? Absolutely. So yeah. obviously you got to make it through college to go be an officer in the United States military. Uh, and in order to be a pilot, you have to do that in the United States Air Force. Okay. Uh, and then I went to pilot training in 1997 at Laughlin Air Force Base, Texas. Only the top 20% of the class gets to go on to fighter and bomber training. Wow. And um, initially, it didn't look like I was gonna end up there and it looked like I was gonna be that KC-135 pilot flying a heavy transport aircraft. Um, and I had to reassess, did the picture in my mind that always involved a fighter actually mean that I'm supposed to be the heavy pilot? And luckily through um, what I will call twist of fate or you know divine intervention, I ended up in the fighter track and got my number one choice of an F-15C. But out of roughly the 30 people that started in our class, six went to that fighter bomber track, and I finished number two in the class to get my number one choice. Wow. So uh, let's pause for a moment. Uh, I know that in, the, in different branches of the military, there's different ways that you can get into different positions. And you said that to be an officer in the Air Force, you have to have um, college experience so I know maybe let's talk about just, I know you have some knowledge maybe of other branches and the way things are done because there's probably students listening to this that have considered the military. They, they don't maybe not necessarily have decided, I know I want to be in the Marines versus Army versus Air Force versus Navy versus Coast Guard or whatever. So what's like, what are some of the differences that going to college may make as you consider getting into the military in one of the branches? 
So to be a commissioned officer in any of our military branches, including the United States Space Force that just stood up, yeah. you have to have a college degree. Okay. Um, you do not have to, um, so sorry, to be enlisted, you can also have a college degree, but there's a definite difference in pay scale yeah. that is easily accessible online. Um, so if college is not an opportunity right now for you, enlisting in any of our military branches is a great opportunity to start earning a paycheck, to get life experience, to get job experience, and to get the GI Bill, which will then allow you to go yeah. to college later. And then yeah. you can come back into the military as a commissioned officer or go about to what you've determined your life's passion is. Yeah, and of course there's like academies that you can go to and it combines college. Like I've got a friend at the Naval Academy right now. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, gonna, he's getting his college degree and he's gonna be able to graduate right into an officer's commission. Uh, which Absolutely. is pretty great. Or there's Reserve Officer Training Corps at many That's of our right. colleges across the country. Or you can go direct to OTS um, if you already have your college degree, but decide that this is a passion that you want to pursue to serve our nation. Yeah. What are some of the things that, um, like, let's say somebody is kind of on the fence of like, do I want to go to college? Do I want to do something else? Do I want to join the military? What are some of the values that you feel like it's helpful to care about if you want to have a good career in the military? I think they're really kind of life lessons. I think the military, specifically the Air Force, our core values are integrity first. Hmm. So that's foundation to who you want to be as a human being. Service before self, because to put your life on the line ultimately for an idea, a value, or somebody else requires service before self. Yeah. Uh, and then excellence in all you do. We're not excellent every single day, but we strive to be better every single day. And those are gonna carry you through the military or anything in life. Um, I think the military affords people the opportunity to grow and learn about themselves yeah. and to really test things out. As an enlisted person, a first-term airman, you can get a job in the Air Force such as a civil engineer. If that isn't the fit for you, you can change your career and you can go try security forces or a medical technician. So we allow people in that you know, 18 through 24 year age group to try to understand what does fit them as an adult, um, yeah. which they may not know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, that age group, students may not recognize this, but like your brain's not even done being formed uh, you know, before you're like mid twenties, really. So right. there's, it's okay right now. If you're listening to this, you're watching, you don't know what you want to do. Like that's going to persist. And then there's a lot of adults at our age. Like you just said, Samantha, you're trying to like figure out what does my life look like now that I'm retired. Yeah. And I think probably I'm guessing you were able to, so a lot of people think retirement and they think like, let's just be blunt, like very old person, <laughs> like you lived right. your whole life and right. you're retired. Well, in the military, retirement happens after how many years? Like 20 years. That's so if right, you 20 came years. in at 18 as an enlisted person, you retire from the military at 38 years old is your first opportunity. Yeah. As an officer, you know, it's 44 years old and I went three years beyond the men or necessary. Yeah. Um, so I still definitely got like, don't feel old. <laughs> you've got like a massive, you could potentially grow in like a totally other career and you've still got the benefits, both of the experience and obviously financially of having retired out of the military, which is like a big deal. Absolutely. Great opportunities over the last 27 years that if I had stayed in upstate New York, I don't think I would have ever experienced. 
And that has opened my eyes to so much more of what the world offers Mm -hmm. than I would have been exposed to had I not joined the military. So, okay, so speaking of opportunities, let's imagine like uh, next year that you're offered the opportunity to like, I don't know, lead a team on the Space Force. Would you take it? Without a doubt, I would have. Without- yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm so fascinated by like, what is that going to end up looking like? I, um, that is just really intriguing to me. It's uncharted territory, right? Yeah. And so if you are somebody who loves the unknown, and wants to put pen to paper and draw it out, this is the time for anybody to come join the Space Force. Uh, Okay, so what are some things about being a commander of a base that probably civilians like me have no idea go into that? Oh, that's great. It's stuff that I didn't even realize two years ago. Um, Mm. The way I've described it, especially during COVID, is that you are kind of like the town mayor because Columbus Air Force Base has approximately 2,600 people. Mm -hmm. And when COVID-19 happened, I had to work with the city mayor and county officials, as well as the state governor. But I also had to recognize that I had this small little sphere of my own that I was responsible for protecting. So whether that is their finance, their food, their gym, their housing, their medical, their safety, hmm. um, I'm responsible for all of that. My first 24 hours in command, um, we had a fatality of wow. a 15-month-old that suddenly I'm thrust upon, what do I do here? There's wow. no checklist. Yeah. How do I care for those people? How do I care for the community? Hmm. And then the very next morning, less than 24 hours into command, we had an aircraft accident. Wow. And so these are the things that there's no checklist for, mm-hmm. really. Uh, there's only experience and empathy and vulnerability and leadership. Uh, and some days you don't do it exactly right, but you just try to make sure that you're putting the mission and the needs of your people first and foremost. What percentage of similar positions in the Air Force, like, I don't, I don't know, you call commander base commander positions, what percentage of those are held by women? I don't know that exact number. I can tell you that uh, the number I do know is that women make up approximately 2% of the aviators in the Air Force. Wow. um, In the fighter pilot category. So it's very, very small. I would go anecdotally without fact, I can get that for you, but it's less than 10% of women are in senior leadership positions in the Air Force at the wing commander level and above. Being a woman in such like a male dominated space has a lot of challenges I can imagine. I'm wondering like, given that it's more of a norm to have women in a lot of these positions now, because it, you know, they're like, you remember the time when it was not legal. (laughs) So I'm just wondering like, you know, say there's a young woman listening right now and she's like, okay, that 2%, that's so small. Do I even have a chance? Should I even try? Like, what would you say to her? I would tell everybody, whether boy or girl, absolutely try. That Mm. is the thing that I learned throughout my career. And it goes back to my first fighter squadron, the 94th. Mm. You got to throw your hat in the ring Mm and Eddie Rickenbacker. Um, You got to try. You may fail. Absolutely. Um, Mm. But you can't succeed if you don't even throw your hat in the ring and try. 
the percentage of women across our force or minorities across the force and specifically the fighter community is growing every single year. Mm. The opportunities are becoming more and more. And the normalcy of seeing a woman in a flight suit is again, growing every single day. Yeah. And I uh, have read Simon Sinek's books and start with why and wondered what is my why and ask myself, is my why to walk into a brick wall? And the answer is yes. At some points, my why was to walk into a brick wall. And I didn't knock down the brick wall, but I knocked a few bricks out of it so that mm. the people who are following me, the mm. taboos, the mothers, you know, the um, Mandy Cannons, they are all having an easier time to navigate the road ahead of them. And they're yeah. going to continue to carry that on so that the eighth graders who are watching this right now have such an easier road and challenges that are easier for them to overcome. Yeah. What are some tips that you'd have if they think this is a direction they may want to go upon graduating high school? Obviously, one big question is, do I go to college or not? If you do go to college, you have, you know, you can become an officer, um, but you can still get into the military if you don't go to college. And for a lot of people who, who don't want to go or don't can't go to college, the military is a great option. What are yeah. some things you would want them to start thinking about in terms of like the kind of person they are, choices they can make, things they can be thinking about? The biggest thing I would say, whether you want to go officer enlisted, is continue with school, right? Mm. And write down whatever your dream is for you today so that you can visualize it and have it in front of you Mm. so that when you're faced with the tough choices that come in high school and they do, you can stay focused on what your heart wants and what your head wants. Mm. Um, And go talk to a recruiter. Go talk to your guidance counselor. See what is available to you going through college or going direct uh, into an enlistment into one of our military services. Get that job experience if you don't have money for college now, where the GI Bill will give you that opportunity and pay for you to go to college and some living expenses afterward. My dad spent 26 years enlisted in the Air Force and grew beyond what was probably possible for him in eighth grade with the Mm. opportunities that the military gave him. Yeah. Final question. So you're two weeks into retirement. You know, what... What are some of your plans? You, you mentioned in the beginning, you're trying to figure out like, what's your next thing? Where, where are you going? So I wanna to continue to support the military. And so I am working for Collins Aerospace okay. and really trying to better the weapons that we have for our military uh, so that we are safer and more effective and more lethal when we have to be. Mm-hmm. On the side, my passion is this. It is leadership and leader development and working with today's youth to give them opportunity and share my experiences. Because as an Air Force Thunderbird, I went across the country and across the world. And the number of times that I was told, wow, I didn't know girls could do that. I want to normalize the opportunities that people are aware of so that you can set your sights on your goals and you can achieve them because there are people like you and me and the Create Foundation that are going to help them achieve it. I wish you well on that. Thank you so much for spending some time to talk with me. This has been really helpful. I think the students listening will have a lot of great ideas to know whether this is the direction that they want to go. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for the opportunity.